we're going to talk about what God did in, to persuade the heart of man uh, to the point that he can have access to our lives and actually bring forth his quality of life in us. If a salesperson um, comes and wants to sell you something, you know, he will have to persuade your heart to sell his product. You know, I, I, yesterday we were at a, a birthday party and um, so the, I, I, I met a guy there and he sells, uh, ach, you know, medicines for dieren. So he said to me, uh, Bertie, can you just pray for some rain, you know, because if rain comes, then sickness come. And I need to live, you know. It's not raining. So it's like praying for a doctor, you know. You don't know how you need to pray. Um, it's like, Lord, let the sick people just come here then. But don't make them sick, but let the sick just come here. So uh, and as, as, we were, um, as we were talking, I said to him, so... Does, and he was also selling uh, some, um, some medicine that, or, or some stuff that would just be in enhancements that helps the animals have, produce more milk and those kind of things. So I said to him, does this stuff work? He says, well, I'm not selling it to you, so I can tell you it works a bit. But that's not what I'm going to tell them that I sell it to, you know, because I need to sell this product. And uh, because everything works a little bit if he's really just honest. In the same way, you know, uh, as what a salesperson needs to sell his product and produce faith in the one he wants to sell it to, in the same way uh, that it, the obligation rests upon the person that sells the product, um, it rests upon God to persuade our hearts to actually give us his life. He doesn't want to sell anything to us. He wants to give us something for free. And God sits, um, he's got some difficult customers because mankind is a difficult customer. And I want to explain to you why mankind is, is a difficult customer because um, if you come and you want to, you sit with a person that his whole for thousands of years, he's been um, indoctrinated and he believes in the core of his being. He believes that you, anything that's for free is not good. You know, you need to work for what you want. That's the customer you come to. And what you believe, what they also believe is, if it's expensive, it's valuable. And now you want to come and give something very expensive for free. This person, you know, when, when you come and you want to try and convince people like that, it's like uh, I visited one of the farmers in Malmesbury and he said, they were talking and they were saying, you know, Bertie, your gospel is so good. But if something is too good to be true, it might just not be the truth. It is too good. It is so easy. It is so easy. And we have seen, and, and they were talking about investments, money, and whatever. If the interest you get is just, if you get, if they promise you 19% or 20% on your money, don't go there. You know, it's just too good. And now you've got customers that think like that. Now you want to come and say, God has invested his whole life and his whole kingdom in you 
for free before you ever did anything. I mean, that is difficult. Because you, and now, the only way that person will actually share in this life that you've given is if he really believes you. He really needs to believe it. Yes, uh, we were talking, <clears throat> I was talking to my, to my mom and uh, we were talking about medicine and stuff. <clears throat> my sister is a doctor, so we were talking about some medicine and stuff. And I said to her, Eliana, uh, has got these, she's got these different oils, you know, that she would put on her face and whatever. And one day she took four or five of these oils and put them, I, I don't know, if, if, for accurate information on how it took place, you can ask Eliana. I just give my... <laughs> my uh, how I got it, you know. <clears throat> so, <laughs> she just put the five of them together and with some, is it Epsom salt? Engelsa soap. Okta in and whatever. And uh, I would always struggle, you know, if I've traveled, you know, with that airplane seat and whatever, so my back would be so sore. And uh, then we would try different things and she would rub it into my back. And then one day she put this oil on my back and it was a miracle. It, it, it's like... Lord, you know, this, this works so good that I actually am going to feel deprived because, um, you know, I can't go three times a week and tell her, please massage my back because this stuff works so well. So my dad, these, these leg pains, <clears throat> so I said to him, take this oil, man, just put it on. And I told my mom, you know, Elena mixed these five oils. She says, ah, yes, you know, these these organic oil things and whatever, I don't believe in that. It must be tested. I said to her, listen, you know, mom, and then we were talking, she says, she, and then she talked about the placebo effect. You know, it's just, so I said the placebo effect is not a proof that medicine doesn't work. It's just a proof that faith works. That's all it is. You know, so faith works. And, I, and then I said to my mom, this is how it works, is the reason why she cannot take that and believe it is not because she doesn't believe in the product. It's also not because she maybe doesn't believe me. It's because she believes that if somebody that's educated says something, it makes whatever they say would be the truth. Because if my sis would say this oil is perfect, then hallelujah, you know. It's not because she doesn't want to trust me. It's because she already believes something. And because of the thing she believes, and all of us, we function like that. All of us, all of us function like that. You know, so, if a guy from, if, if I buy anything and I see it's from Germany, then I know it's good. <laughs> it can be a Chinese product, you know, or it can come from Zimbabwe. But if it's in Germany, then I, or when I was in, I, I was in, 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 in Ireland, and they had this fruit, and this fruit was so nice. And I said, man, this is real nice. I wonder where it comes from. Swaziland. It comes from Swaziland. You know, when I looked on it, I thought, this is done so well, packaged so well with Swaziland. It was like almost kind of, you can't, because we've got this belief system in our hearts. And the very same thing, what God had to come and do is fix our belief system so that we can actually make use of what is good. It's like that oil. You know, if Bertie says it's an oil, you know, it might be a faith trick. <laughs> but if a doctor says it, you know, especially if he studied it and he's got many degrees in that, 
then you know whatever he says is true. That is just the way it works. So God sits with this problem that he sits with a being that has died for thousands of years, that has had sickness for thousands of years, and that has believed that by your works you will have life, and now he wants to convince this person that you, I can give you eternal life. That even if you die, I can raise you from the grave. Even if you're dead 5,000 years. Now, I mean, that's a difficult one, you know. We can argue about, we can say, I mean, here I'm, I'm wearing glasses so that I can see all of you. And now, I'm wearing glasses, but God would come to a person that wears glasses and tell him, I've got good news for you. You know, even if you die, I've got the ability to raise you from the grave. Now, but what about my eyes? You know, we can, you know, you can, you sit with people that are in a place where they've got so many things that can cause them not to believe the word. Like I said to one of my friends, we, in Christianity, the promise that God made man is the following. This is the gospel. Simple good news. You are all dying. You've got, you are bound by sin and death. And I promise you my life for free. That's all. That's it. I will take care of your sin. I will stop your sin. And I will, even if the sin, even if you die, I will come back one day and then that dust that was in the grave will be made alive and you will be well and alive forever. And even if you're dead, if you, the, the people in, that died in the Titanic, you know, their dust is a bit everywhere, all over the planet, you know. But their dust shall be, come together, and it will be, the, the believers will be raised up. I mean, you need to convince somebody to really believe that. Really believe that. And I want to go so far as, it will take God to convince somebody's heart of that message. Where it is not knowledge, but really something that you believe in your heart. And God has come to heal the heart of man. He's come to heal the heart of man. He's come to persuade us of a message that can, where we can, that we can come to a place where we can say, I, not by saying I have knowledge, or just have knowledge about it, but in my heart, I find, I believe that I can have eternal life. Not eternal life, not defining as going to heaven. Eternal life defined as, even if you've gone to heaven, you'll come back with the Lord, your body shall be raised up, you will be you'll have that eternal life. Wherein, the, like Jesus said, or like Matthew said, you shall call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. So here's a, here's a promise. The, the thing is not stop your sin and God will bless you. The thing is, you are all struggling with sin. You're struggling with this. You're struggling with that. I have come to set you free from that. And I have come to give you eternal life. I have conquered, I conquer sin and death. So if you can just trust and believe me, then I will make you holy. I 
mean? That is nice. This morning, a guy on, on the radio prayed. He says, thank you, Lord, that you make us holy. And I was blessed by that prayer. You make me holy. You bring forth the fruit in me. Now, let us read Ezekiel quickly. Um, I'm just going to read from Ezekiel 36, well-known verse. It says here, For I will take you from amongst the heathen and gather you out of all the countries and I will bring you unto your own land. Then will I sprinkle clean water upon you, this is verse 25, and you shall be clean. From all your filthiness and from all your idols will I cleanse you. Now this speaks to me prophetically about the church. It says, a new heart also will I give you, a new spirit will I put within you. I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh and I will give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my ways and you shall keep my judgments and do them and you shall dwell in the land that I gave your fathers and you shall be a people uh, to be, be uh, my people and I will be your God. And I will also save you from all your uncleanlinesses and I will call for the corn and will increase it and lay no famine upon you. Now look at, look at what God is saying here. He's saying the following. He says, listen, you don't have a land of your own. I will give you a land. Okay, so it's like kind of, I mean, you can't help for it. Here comes somebody out of the blue and he just promises you this. And then he says, what I will do is, I will um, sprinkle clean water upon you, and you shall be clean of all your filthiness, and of all your idols will I cleanse you. So whose job is it to clean us from our idols? Whose job is it to clean us from our wrong beliefs and all of that? It's God's. It is God's. He says, a new heart will I give you. A new spirit will I put within you. So whose job is it to clean my heart? It is God's. He even promised it here. He says, I will, put my, I will take the stony heart out of your flesh and I will give you a heart of flesh. So when we look at the heart of man, uh, I read a verse in the, in the Old Testament yesterday. It says, Jesus says, your heart is not for me, but for the corn and the wine. So what he was actually saying is, to the people, you don't want me, you just want what I can give you, the corn and the wine, you just want the provision, but your heart's not after me. But he comes and he says, I will give you a heart like mine. I'll give you a belief system that is like mine, where it's not about even what you can get, where, it's, where it is a place where you can believe and think and reason like God. And what is this heart? It's a heart that is not called a stony heart, but a heart of flesh. So here comes God, here God comes and He sits with people that has been dying for many years, that has been bound in sin, that in all those kind of things, and He comes and He says to them, listen, I know you've become accustomed to death, you've become accustomed to sickness and disease and poverty and all those kind of things, you have, you've become accustomed to the greatest thing, and that is that you can have life by what you do, and I promise you now that I will give you eternal life and then to promise them in a way that they can say well I can believe it even if I see even if I wear glasses even if I don't see prosperity 
my heart is at rest at the new heart you've given me. How will God get that right? How will it be possible? Last Sunday, we, we discussed on how it's possible, and I'm just going to recap. For the human heart to believe, and this is what God concluded. God said, for the human heart, in the situation where he is in, to actually believe that he can live forever, what I'll have to do is, I'll have to take what kills him, and take like a guinea pig, and take that virus, put it inside the guinea pig, and allow the guinea pig to die. And then, I will raise him from the dead, with the virus, he's carrying the virus that's killing these people. And when this works here, then they will be able to believe that it can work for them. That's it. So what God did in Christ was, He said, let me take not just a virus or a sickness, let me take the very sickness and the very death that's on them, take this guinea pig, Take this man that does not have any sin and take all the sin of all people and all their death and all their sickness and all the consequences of sin onto this man. What I do is, before this man even receives any of this, I make him a promise. I promise you, I will raise you from the dead. I will raise you up. Take all the sickness onto you, but I promise you, even if you die, just trust me, all the sickness of the world is not stronger than my promise. You don't have to try and make sickness less. You don't have to try and make poverty less. You don't have to try and make yourself more holy or righteous or anything. Just believe that I can do it. And here comes Jesus, when he had no proof that he's the Son of God, by looking at his situation, he just continued to believe that he is the Son of God, he is in the equality with God, and that he possesses eternal life. And here goes Jesus, baptized into the death, in, with the baptism of John, carrying my sin, carrying our sin. Now what we see is, we see now our sin on Jesus. And we see what that sin can bring forth. It brings forth death. But this Jesus just believes. And what happens? The Father raises him up on the third day. And we see the antidote for death. So that we who can see the snake crucified and the power of resurrection can believe now. So we can now have that antidote, which is simply believing God. Just believing God. But we couldn't just believe. Why couldn't we just believe? Because we couldn't, we couldn't even hear what God was saying. The word that was from the beginning was the word that you will have eternal life. That's what God promised us. Titus 1 verse 2. God promised us eternal life. We didn't understand what this eternal life is. Even in the church today, we struggle to understand what the eternal life is. 
We, we think eternal life is just going to heaven or having a spirit that, is, that, that can never die or something like that. That's what we, we think. But God comes and He demonstrates what He means by eternal life. He says, my word, my promise of eternal life, will, I will come and live it among you in a physical form that you can see what I mean. And this is what He means. This is the word of eternal life. I will take all, I will take a physical body with all sin and I will allow all death to come upon it and then I will give that body eternal life by raising him from the grave and then there will be a physical human being that can never die, that has conquered sin and death. That's the word of eternal life. And you know, uh, last night I spoke to the web pastors and they said, as they start to share the word of eternal life with people, and just what Christ has done and what will happen in the return of Christ, that Christ is coming back, and he said that the church look at you as if you are crazy. It is. I, I, I look at, you know, in my travels in Europe and, and in the U.S., when you talk about this, there are just some folk that thinks, you know, yes, I believe in the resurrection, but uh, I'm, I'm not... Yeah, let's not talk about the resurrection, you know. What about my mansion in heaven? You are stealing my heaven from me. I don't want to steal your heaven. If you die, I believe you go to heaven. But you will return with Christ and your body shall be raised up. That is the word of God. What is God's word about your body? This is God's word. God's word is that a body that has got death abiding in it, a body that sees shortcomings in it, sin or whatever, that body, that person, if he trusts upon the Lord, God will raise him up and grant him the freedom from sin and freedom from death. That is what will take place. And that is God's word for us. And that's what we see in and, and what God did in Christ is He made it possible for us to actually believe such a word by bringing forth a man. So, by bringing forth a man in which He could demonstrate what He means. So what's very important, the heart from where we believe is this, or this cradle is, is what Christ has done for us. That is our heart. When our heart, the, the core of our being, becomes this wonderful truth of what He has, has showed us in Christ, we find that our emotions, our feelings, and our thoughts are all now born from this new truth. So, it's like I, I said about, about the doctor, anything that somebody say about medicine, with me as well, if somebody comes and says, this medicine will work, you know, I, I would want to know, what does a doctor say about it? Or what does a professor that studied it say about it? Why? Because the heart of my understanding concerning medicine is studies and, you know, science and those kind of things. That's my heart. But now God comes and He gives a heart, a new heart, a new place of thinking. And He created the new heart from where we can believe. And it included us because He became a human. So now, the heart from where we think is not the heart of legalism and law. It's not the heart of work to get. We've got a brand new heart now. And He gave a new heart to mankind. 
for with a heart we believe unto righteousness. He comes and gives a new heart. What is this new heart? This new heart is the flesh of Christ. That's what he says. I'll take the heart of stone out. I'll give you a heart of flesh. What is this flesh? This is it. God became flesh. Carried all sin and all death. He believed the word. The word of promise was much stronger than the death in his body. Abraham. What happened to Abraham? God comes to Abraham, makes him a promise. Say to him, Abraham, I promise you that you will have descendants. And in you, all the nations shall be blessed. Then he says, but I go childless. And then God promised him, Abraham tried to bring forth life by doing certain things. Him and Sarah, they, they, they talked about it. Uh, he applied the laws of those times to have a, a, a child. And then God says, no, you're not going to have a child by working the Chaldean law system. You're going to have life by me promising you. And even when he saw the fruit come forth, he saw Isaac, when God asked him to offer up Isaac, he said, I don't even care if I have the fruit and if this fruit die again. Because I believe in a God that can raise something from the dead. So what, what was the faith that Abraham had? Abraham's true faith was, he believed that God could raise the dead. That's what he actually believed. Because he knew my body's dead. In order for God to bring forth something in Sarah and something in me, he has to be a God that can create life out of death or raise the dead. That's why when he had to sacrifice Isaac, it was not a problem for him because in his mind, it is the same miracle power to, to see that Sarah could be pregnant than to take him after he's been sacrificed and burnt to ashes to raise him up again. That's what he believed. And what God wants us to believe is that He can actually take you, He can end your sin for you, He can end your fear for you, and He can actually then also raise your body um, from the dead. And that's why we had to have not just a message from the Old Testament or Scriptures, we had to have a word put on display wherein we could see. Like we would take... Uh, a guinea pig and we would uh, put something on him, give him medicine, see if it works. And when we see it work, then we come to certain conclusions. Then we have faith. Why? Because we see it work. Now we, God made it possible for us to have faith because we can see how the medicine works. And he cured our disease. He, he conquered our death in Christ. So what can we do today? We can now by what is done, he brings faith to our hearts. And we can today say, he gives me eternal life, and he gives me freedom from sin. And by just believing that, and not in any me, trusting the Lord. Trusting the Lord. And what if I don't see the fruit right now? Listen, we look at the word that he demonstrated. Amen. I want to just read one more verse. Romans 10. Verse 9. Oh, let me read from um, verse 5. Moses described the righteousness which is of the law, that the man that does those things shall live by them. So the righteousness of the law is 
If you can do the right thing, you will have life by what you do. But the righteousness which is of faith speak on this way. Say not in your heart. So the righteousness of God, the righteous thing that happens to us is to have a heart that, that, that cannot say, um, what shall I do to get Christ to come down from heaven or to raise Him from the dead? In other words, what he says is, what shall I do? The righteousness that's of God, the good thing that happens to us in Christ is that we are not at a point where we have to say or believe that I need to do anything to bring heaven to earth or do anything to get this death to pass away. For Christ has done it. And then he goes on, but what does it say? The word is nigh you, even in your mouth and in your heart. This is the word of faith we preach, that if you shall confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, and shall believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. Saved from what? <laughs> saved from sin and death. By believing what? By believing that God raised him from the dead. Because if you say that God raised Jesus from the dead, what you are saying is, you are saying that all my death and all my sin was on full display and in full force on one man. Not just mine, but the sin of all people was on one man. And then the antidote was um, injected into Christ. He believed. And what did the Father do? He raised him from the dead. And I now believe that this Jesus rules over my death. He rules over my sin. And when I believe that, you know what, what happens? And that he's the Lord, he rules, and he served me with us, and that he was raised up out of my death. What does it mean? It means God has got access to my heart now and to my life now to raise me up into peace and joy and kindness and meekness and temperance and faithfulness. There's a much bigger, there's a, there's a very big difference between having peace born in you of God and having peace because you've quoted four verses and you know God's going to provide for you. Let me explain it this way. If, you know, <clears throat> you can have peace Let's say, I say to you, South Africa's economy is now completely finished. You know, and one guy said to me, he knows Jesus is coming this year. I said, why? He says, because South Africa lost against Japan. That's a sign of the times. You know, <laughs> the guy from France, <laughs> he wrote me. So, you, you sit, you, you sit in, in a place where you've got this massive destruction. And now I can come and I can say to you, listen, it's going to be okay. And you can say, but I don't know why it's going to be okay. And then I can say to you, listen, man, over there is still some business deal that's going to pay for you. And now you have peace. You don't have what's called supernatural peace or the peace of God. You've got the peace of what the business deal can provide. That's the peace you have. So now you have peace, but it's the peace that comes from knowing that there's some, some provision for you. But if you have the peace of God, you just have peace. It is just in you. It's God has given birth to His quality of life. 
And that peace is on account of the person of God that's towards you and this eternal life that's living in you. And that is what he's, it's, it's almost a, a, a peace without reason. Paul says the peace that surpasses all understanding. That is the thing, a peace that surpasses understanding. So here we come and, and we see here that he will work up. He says, um, it says here in verse 8, it says that, What shall we say then? The word is nigh you, even in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith we preach. What is the faith? That we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and we believe that God raised him from the dead. For with a heart man believe unto righteousness, and with a mouth confession is made for unto salvation. Then it says, how does faith come? Faith comes by this word. What is this word? The message that Jesus was raised from the dead. And he was raised out of your death. And that gives us the big hope of eternal life. You see, church, and I'm going to end off with this, and I know what I've said, you've got a lot to think about. And if you listen to the CD, this, is, this will really challenge every part of our Christian belief. God's plan from beginning was not to have servants, and that I've preached here many times. We have, in this church, preached about God being a loving Father, not looking at your sin and all those kind of things, opening the door for you. But even if we say God is not angry, you know, if I look at, if I look at uh, my one neighbor there, he's not angry with me. We are friends. Okay, so he's not angry. He's, you know, um, he's friendly. He's always friendly. If you go somewhere, he says, will you look at my house? This, that. If, he, if we've got peaches in his garden, he will pluck some of them and give it to us. And they're just peaceful. But the fact that he's not angry doesn't mean anything to me in the sense of if my wife's not angry. Okay, because if she's not angry, there's a different conclusion I can come to. There's a different hope that there is connected with that. Now, if we say God is not angry, what does that mean? It means that we, are, we can actually now go to God and be in union with God. But what does that mean? What God's plan was from the beginning, and this was God's plan, he said, I will take dust, I will make a being that's just like me. And this being, I will then take my life and live it in him through something called faith or a persuasion. Because it's the only way you can have access to that being. And as my life lives in him, this life that I gave him will be preserved eternally. And so we will be together forever. So now, we can as Christians today, come to the place where we say, Lord, what you've promised me is this eternal life, and I can now see how you actually brought it forth in Jesus, and I can now hear this word of eternal life, and it produces faith in my heart. So when I hear the word of eternal life, that's when I can come to the place where I can believe or actually have faith for the first time. The faith that God has. The faith that God has is all based in Jesus. What God believes about your sin is based in Jesus. What God believes about your righteousness is based in Jesus. But the end goal of this all was 
And as weird as what it might sound, and I, as I preach this over the web, it, it, it can sound weird, but this is what God's plan was from the beginning, that we would have physical human bodies that would pertain, would have eternal life. And when He gives that body to us, and now this is what I believe, I don't believe we will walk in it today, we'll walk in it in the return of Christ. But as we believe that, that spirit that raises us from the dead has got access to our emotions and has got access to our thoughts. It's got access to, to manifest some of the signs and the wonders of the spirit in our lives. That's why you can find one person never in his life become sick. Never. He's a believer in the Lord and like he will, let's say Kenneth Copeland or one of these guys, he, he, he will have what we call divine health. And we would say, how can I get divine health? Listen, this is a sign and a wonder. A sign of what? A sign that God has conquered sin and has promised us eternal life in the return of Christ. So when I now see His life where He has got a miracle, what do I, what do, I do now? Now I can rejoice. Now that sign is not an accusation anymore. Bertie, why are you not having divine health? I am all of a sudden sharing in His joy. Because that's also talking about me. We find, you know, the Apostle Paul didn't go around teaching the gifts of the Spirit. This Spirit of life, you know, they were just gathering and they were preaching and people were believing that Jesus has been raised from the dead and that He's coming back and that they will have eternal life as He establishes kingdom on the earth. And then all of a sudden we find certain people just inclined to prophesy. And others love to heal the sick because the message was on how God conquered all these things and will give life and immortality to man. And other people had words of knowledge and words of wisdom and whatever. And it was all by the same Spirit. It wasn't taught, this is how you must operate in it. It was naturally coming forth. And then there were others that Paul said, the one has got this gift, the other one doesn't. But we are all saying these things are just talking about one thing. And now we can embrace the good news. We can embrace what Christ has given us. You know, signs, wonders, miracles, we can be av available for that. And that same Spirit brings forth the fruit of the Spirit. I end off with this. We've made the fruit of the Spirit, Deuteronomy 28. I said it last Sunday. We've said the fruit of the Spirit is I'm the head and not the tail. I'm above and not beneath. Blessed shall be my fruit basket. Blessed shall be this. Blessed shall be that. No, no, that is the blessings of Deuteronomy 28. That's earthly blessings that was just a sign of a certain thing. The fruit of the Spirit that's promised to the church is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, meekness, temperance, faithfulness. What's promised in the church is he that leaves mother and father and um, friends and whatever for the gospel's sake will receive a hundred times more houses and all those kind of things in this life plus persecution. That's what's promised. That is the promise. And then in the life hereafter we will have eternal life. We will be raised from the dead. I look at myself. I've left my house many times to preach, to preach the gospel. I've got more than a hundred houses that I can go to anywhere in the world. 
where I can go and live and stay. I've got friends there. I've got a mother there. I've got a, fa a father there. I've got friends there, people that care. People will cook for me. People will iron my clothes. People will do all those kind of things. I've received all of that. A hundredfold in this life. It wasn't a sowing and reaping thing. It's just a simple, practical thing in this life. If you go around and you're good to people, they'll be good to you. It's just the way it is. So, God has come and He has given us, He's come to heal our heart, that we, don't, that we have a heart from where we can think and reason in the lines of God promised us eternal life and He promised us fruit. And we don't have to stand on the promises and say, God, you promised Abraham. That I, I don't believe he went around every day trying to confess to get God to do something. He just believed it in his heart. And he didn't stumble at the death he was seeing in his own body. He didn't stumble at that. Dad didn't have a voice. He says, my father has promised me. And here we sit today, 2,000 years after Jesus went into heaven, and we are saying, we believe that God will raise us from the dead. And Christians has died for thousands of years, but we are believing that God, this Spirit, produces fruit in my life and shall raise me from the dead. And that is the gospel. That is the good news. Yeah, I believe the principle is true. It can be spiritual or physical, you know. It's, it, the truth is on both sides, yeah. So I believe it can definitely be like that as well. You know, so you will find a new home. From James. You know, uh, I, uh, at times I found difficulty in making the, uh, the Bible verses type of thing mine, mm, making mm. it my own. But I found that uh, since I've really... Uh, Mm. Uh, I believe uh, it came easier because I believe God. Mm. <coughs> I believe the Word. Yes. You know, in, yeah. in, in, in that way, uh, uh, because I knew who said it. Yeah. Meaning, I was trying to get the Bible, the verse of mine, instead of getting uh, yeah. the Bible. As you were talking about this now, I was thinking, you know, that we, we so many times want to make the verses ours, yeah. but God in the incarnation made it ours. Because it now includes us. Became, he became a human. So now all of a sudden, I don't have to make it mine. He made his word mine. <laughs> I just, he's, he's our father. He came and says, I have a word, but this word, you don't have to try and claim it for yourself. I'll make it yours. I'll put it into human flesh. I'll raise it up. So this word is now yours. I've made it yours. Amen. Let's pray together. Father, I want to thank you so much for your mercy and your grace. I want to thank you for the love that you have towards us. I want to thank you that you have stretched forth your hand to bring forth life in each one of us. I thank you, Lord, that this word, um, or that you stretch forth your hand to signs, wonders, and miracles. I thank you, Father, for the message wherein we know that you have conquered sin, you've conquered death, you've conquered all those kind of things. And I thank you, Lord, that in this congregation we can make ourselves available for miracles and signs and wonders like that um, 
we can make ourselves we make ourselves available for the fruit of your spirit the, what we would call the effortless life wherein God fulfills his promise and manifests his promises in us and I thank you Lord that as we are here as a congregation together um, this is what I feel in my heart Lord I want to say that every part as we were praying for one another during the communion and giving words of encouragement and those kind of things we want to thank you Lord for being partakers of your life being partakers of your kindness being partakers of what you have planned and dreamt for man and I thank you Lord that as as this truth start to flood our minds we find that scripture that says the things of this world grow strangely dim in the light of your glory and your grace which is this eternal life that you've come to give us I also thank you father that as we go um, each one to his work and his place this week that uh, that they will just start to see as they find this new heart that you've given man to think from they will just start to see the fruit of the spirit manifesting in them effortlessly and thank you lord that it's not our job to manifest that fruit but that it's a promise from you and we say we trust you abba you've proven to us the antidote of death the law of life you have proven it to us in the resurrection of christ and that spirit that raised christ is injected into us as we hear your gospel thank you father amen and amen